This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Lynn Freeman, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Time to turn our attention to uh, issues with children. And this time, Auckland, Christchurch and Wellington have had their Pride celebrations. This month, it's Dunedin's turn. Senior researcher at the New Zealand Council for Educational Research, Mohammed Alansari, joins me with the research he's been doing around supporting rainbow students and communities. Kia ora, welcome, Mohammed. Kia ora, thank uh, you for having me today. Uh, lovely to meet you. I'm a big fan of starting with definitions, and I right. think people do get very confused about the lengthening mm-hmm. defini- definitions here. So I think the latest is what LGBTQIA+. Plus. Yep. Yes. So it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, queer, intersex, asexual and others who identify um, as part of the queer rainbow kind of spectrum. Um, they've kind of, we've expanded the acronym just to recognise the diversity um, that exists within the community. A lot of people just say that it's all of it is the gay community, but actually it's way more diverse than that, actually. And is that why it's important to define it in this way? Yep, and to define it with the intent that you're showing that it's actually such a large, diverse body of people. We're not just talking about a type of, of gender orientation or sexual orientation. And a lot of these things as well intersect with culture, for example. Um, think Takatapui research, for example, for um, those who identify as rainbow groups, but also Māori as well. And so there's a lot of intersectionality there. And so there's been a lot of debates in the literature and out in the public which terms, which acronyms to use. And I think the, the, the kind of the consensus these days is as long as the intent is good, you're using a term that shows and recognises diversity even within the community, then that's actually a really good thing. It's the same with pronouns, isn't it? Because a lot of people get themselves quite tangled up trying to get it right. Is it more important that you at least you try? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, Trying, um, but also just asking, uh, how how do you like me to refer to you? What sort of pronouns do you use? Well, I'm seeing this more and more on media releases, actually. Mm. Of course, I work in the arts, so, you know, that's a very forward-thinking kind of area. But I will see them state categorically... He, she, they, them. Exactly. And actually, the nice thing as well is that um, a lot of people um, who are professionals, who uh, have public profiles now, they'd have the name and the signature, and then they say he, him, she, her, they, them. And it's actually quite a nice way. And that way, if you're unsure, you just look at it, uh, okay, this is how they'd like me to refer to them. And it's a nice, respectful way. It's actually not about us putting labels on people. It's about us recognising and respecting the fact that this is how they'd like to be referred to as. And so I I think it's 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 a, it's a, it's one way that we show respect and embracing of that type of work really. The Pride events that have been on all over the country but mm. disrupted in, in Auckland, unfortunately, with COVID. Yeah. But it's part of a, a bigger national programme, I think. Yes. Um, the nice thing about the first couple of months of the year is really it's, it's, it's the Pride season, a lot of people call it. Um, it's organisations, individuals, particularly community leaders who also identify as part of the rainbow queer community, come together and put together a huge programme of events for parents who are interested, um, for young people, for grown-ups, and all sorts of things. Um, 
the, the main purpose really, or that couple of purposes behind this, but one is to celebrate how far we've come. I think 20, 25 years ago, we would not be even having this conversation um, about this, but also to reflect on how much work is there yet to be done as well. Um, in New Zealand, the research in the last 10 years, for example, still shows some worrying statistics for the rainbow community. Kids who identify as gender diverse or on, on, on who are um, either on the rainbow community queer spectrum often report lower levels of well-being, high levels of stress. They don't feel like they belong in the school environment. They report greater levels of bullying. And that's been really consistent in the last 10 years. And that's actually quite worrying for me. And so I, I really hope that Pride season is a way to bring us all together and think about, right, how can we create a world? Because I want us to live in a world where those kids live, succeed and thrive because of their schooling experiences and not in spite of them. And I think it's really important to remind ourselves of that kind of work. It's interesting with schools, Muhammad, isn't it? Because I know there are a lot of schools, single-sex schools, say, who have tried to bring in, like, toileting is a really mm. big big issue. So trying to bring in... in unisex, toilets, for example, y- that's right. Unisex, or, that's right, to, to give option and to be accepting. But it's it's got to be more than kind of bricks and mortar and, and toilets, isn't it? That's exactly right. Um, some of the things that we've been hearing from schools that have been doing great work in this area is that they've taken a holistic overall school approach that involves the communities as well that says, right, we want to embrace diversity, we want to embrace well-being top-down at the school policy level, in our classroom practices and in the way that we interact with one another. And you're absolutely right, it goes beyond than just having a unisex bathroom. That's actually, it's, it's, it's one indication but I think kids want way more than this they've been telling us that um, they want to feel like they belong they want to engage they want to feel respected and involved and not put down or feeling shamed ashamed for being really who they are who they how they want to express themselves well that's a school environment what about at home how can parents and I guess siblings too support rainbow kids one of the things that I was really pleased with is that some of the of our school communities that we work with have told us that parents start their own kind of support groups if you want to think about them that way where they'd come together and talk about some of the highlights some of the things that they found really useful or sometimes a parent would come in and say well I don't know what that term means what is a what is cisgender for example uh, what does it mean to be this or that non-binary for example and so they actually come together and unpack these things and talk about well actually what um, what worked really well with me and my child is this have you t- tried talking to them about that and the other nice thing about that is that they actually start um, sharing resources because a lot of parents aren't aware that there's a lot of resources online um, where other parents have actually written these or young people have written the things that they wish their parents would have done with them and so um, there's a lot of kind of things that we can actually work with the community and parents about um, how to go on about supporting the well-being outcomes for young people. How do you encourage students maybe who aren't keen to take part at at Rainbow Days at school? And do you think this has been a good initiative? I think it's been a great initiative. One of the things that we've noticed this year, I mean, I I couldn't attend a lot of events this year in Wellington's Pride, but the ones that I've attended, they're oversubscribed. And what was really nice and heartwarming about it is that it had young people, it had families, it had grown-ups. I spot a lot of families with their extended whanau. I saw a really cute nan walking with her grandkids. You know, so, so, 
so I, th- I think some of these things are indeed working. And, and, and the nice thing about it as well is that parents actually who know about these things, they've been encouraging their kids to go up and not necessarily with them, but also just to go and meet new people who are like-minded, who share similar life experiences. So it looks like it's a great initiative, and I definitely would like to see it flourish even more in the future. These are for parents perhaps who have accepted, found a way through, you know, come to a good space mm. with their children. But for um, for a lot of parents, that is difficult. And, and, you know, friends of mine have talked about having to go through the grief process if they've had a transgender child. Mm. They have to grieve or say their, their daughter who is now a son or, or vice mm. versa. I mean, it's a, it's a complicated process because it is still, it's a loss and a gain. Mm. Well, uh, the, the thing about that is that you love your child no matter what. And I think a lot of the parents who, if I use that term, have come around to, 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 to accepting and recognise that kind of diversity have often said things like, you know what, that is my child, that is what they want and I'll support them in their dreams and careers and aspirations and whatnot, more so than what I would like to put on my child. And and, and we really hear that a lot in, in, in stories reported to us by parents who say, um, at first I was conservative, I didn't think that there was a thing, but then when I read more I listened to my child and I talked to other parents and professionals about it I just decided or or thought to myself you know what, that is still my child I love them no matter what, I will support them no matter how or where they go You mentioned before parents getting together and talking, what Mm. other channels are there, you mentioned online what what are some places if a parent just wants to do some reading, I mean that's often the way isn't it Mm. just sit down and quietly and do some Reading, but right. they want they need good material, not yes, yes, you know, bad material. The, the, we've got a lot of um, organisations like Inside Up, Rainbow Youth, who do a lot of work. It's led by people from the community, and they're all about supporting the well-being outcomes for for children. They they'll have great resources online. We also have a lot of research teams and researchers who would be more than happy to talk to parents actually so we've got a lot of people who do work around sexual health for gay men for example that's in Auckland with Peter Sexton we've got people in Waikato who do, who do a lot of work around trans community and the support available um, Elizabeth Kirikiri in Otago does a lot of work around Takatapui research and supporting whānau in this area. NZCI does a lot of work around gender diverse students and well-being and school culture. And so just identifying those channels really and then just speaking to them. A lot of people think that uh, researchers might not have the time to speak to, to parents and teachers, but a lot of us actually would love to speak with people out there about what we're finding, what does it mean in terms of their practice or what they do at home, how to bring together what happens in school with, it, with home. So I'd really encourage people to just go out there. I, for one, love talking to teachers and parents, and sometimes I think it's the, it's the, the most fun part of my day, actually. So, yeah. Got a question for you from a listener about raising rainbow children. Mm. Uh, the listener says, Mine is in their late teenage years and are struggling with older, very conservative relatives asking if they have a boyfriend yet. Mm. They don't feel okay answering honestly, but they don't want to lie. I'm telling them it's okay. They just say what feels safe to them. Is there anything else mm. I could be doing? Well, 
I hear two things from this actually. The first one is the importance of talking to young rainbow children about generational differences. What we do now uh, as, as Generation Z or millennials might have been completely different to the beliefs, the virtues, the attitudes of those who were two or three generations before us. And that's actually okay. And what's important is not just to um, not have these conversations or cancel these conversations, but actually just recognize the differences navigate these differences and be okay with them being different. It's probably just difference and nothing else. But the other thing is that um, this is the part where I also would encourage the parent to have to act as an advocate for the child and talk to these other conservative relatives about, by the way, this is what it means when I say that my child, for example, identifies as gay, lesbian, transgender, or any other labels or expressions of gender and sexuality. This is what it means and this is how um, we're doing it and it would be great if you can also support them. It's Adolescence is a very sensitive period, really, and so it's important to provide as much support. But I think the key for me is for the parents to act as an advocate for their child rather than just let them do it on their own. I think my research in the last 10 years, if anything, have taught me that kids want to feel validated, they want to feel like they belong to a wider system and they want to feel supported and this is an excellent opportunity for us to show that. I think you have a survey that yes. you're working on, yeah? Yes, and I'm super duper excited about it actually. It's called the Identify Research Project and it's a, um, it's a survey where we want to know, we want to hear from rainbow queer communities about the education, health um, outcomes, employment opportunities. Most of the research in New Zealand looks at these things but in the schooling years up until the age of 15, 16. But, and that's the schooling kind of aspects really of it. But we actually don't know what happens the second those children move onto employment. Where do they go? What do they aspire to become? What are the life experiences that they can tell us? Intuitively, we can guess, we can guesstimate, we can kind of think of some of these, but it would be really nice to document these. And so we're really just reaching out to everyone from anywhere between the ages of 14 to 26 um, to do the survey and let us know what they think. We really want to get a good understanding of how can we ensure that those young adults are supported wherever they go. This, this goes back to what you were saying before, that there are real issues about well-being, exactly, particularly. Right. Exactly. And I think now that we've identified that there are issues, the interest is in the hows and the whys. How can we mitigate these issues? How we can create a better future for them? Um, and so I really, really hope that this survey will allow us to do it. And it would really capture diverse perspectives. And that's why we really want it to be across the board for everyone. It's been designed by researchers, professionals from the rainbow community themselves with the rainbow community so now we want the rainbow community to tell us what they think about it and hopefully we'll be able to uh, present their perspectives as, as, as fair and, and, and aspirational as possible. I had a few um, texts coming in about that word rainbow, or the words rainbow community you know and some struggles so we have one listener saying as a gay man I think there's a huge assumption that one spokesperson can speak for this incredible diverse group of people I don't identify at all with most of the groups now broadly yes. defined as a rainbow yep. community. Back to our actual definition <laughs> Isn't it? That's exactly right. And I think it's important for all of us to recognise that just because you're a member of any group, because well, I actually see that as well when we talk about ethnic groups. A lot of people who identify, for example, as Māori or Pacific or Asian feel the, the, the pressure that they must 
be ambassadors for the whole group. When in fact, no, your stories are your stories. They're valid. It's your unique experience. We should never feel like we have to be spokespeople for everyone because that actually makes it seem like everyone's stories are the same as yours. But what we're finding everywhere that they're different um, and also that recognises the intersectionality of things such as gender, sexuality, culture, family upbringing, nationality and whatnot. And so I absolutely um, um, hear he- he- that. It's important to recognise that yes, you're one member, you have unique valid stories but at the end of the day you're one member and in order for us to come together we got to do the work together. Um, thank you. I'll give the uh, address for your survey actually while we're here. www.identifysurvey or one word, identifysurvey.nz and we'll put that link up on our webpage. Mohamed Alan Sari, thank you so much. Thank Happy you very to much.